0: Hello, welcome to The BIM Student. I'm your host Chetna Chahan. If architects design a structure and structural engineers make sure of its structural stability and integrity, it's MEP engineers that make that structure habitable. I mean, just imagine a perfectly designed and engineered building without any HVAC, plumbing or electrical systems. How would that look like? A beautiful building without any actual use. While talking about digital transformation in AEC, MEP engineers have a very important part to play. The software, the training, the industry standards, the collaboration and coordination protocols. Everything needs to be devised to incorporate the holistic view of how we look at our digital construction at the same time they also need to be customized to meet the requirements of each specific discipline MEP designers and modelers being no different I believe in this dichotomy of standardization and customization there must be a balance between the two especially for MEP engineers and modelers let us listen to our guest for today Laura Lee Moran who leads Mechanical and Electrical BIM in GTA and Southwestern Ontario for WSP Canada. Thank you so much, Laura Lee for coming here and sparing some time and talking about MEP consultants, their issues. And their contribution in MEP adoption today. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. How about introducing yourself to the audience and uh, people who are listening to this podcast?
1: So for those that don't know me, I am Laura Lee I am uh, currently the BIM Manager for Mechanical Electrical at WSP in Canada. I've been in the industry probably for about 16 years. I've got an architectural degree, but have had my entire career at an engineering firm. Um, And I, yeah, I got into BIM a number of years ago and haven't looked back since.
0: Oh, that's amazing. So you said you came from an architectural background, and this is totally out of context, but what made you choose engineering and MEP especially as something that you would want to excel in?
1: Uh, I kind of landed about it almost accidentally. Uh, my first job out of university was at an engineering firm, but they needed somebody with an architectural background uh, to convert PDFs of old buildings into AutoCAD plans so then the engineers could do what they do. Uh, and during that process, like I'm always trying to find a challenge and learn something new and. When I was finished with those drawings, I'd always see what the engineers would do. I'm like, you know, that's kind of interesting. So I went to my boss and I was like, show me something, like just something a little. Um, and it kind of went from there. So I started doing markups for RFIs and changes to basically being a PM for some of the mechanical projects. It kind of surprised me a little bit because I had always wanted to be an architect. You know, this soon after school, and I've kind of abandoned that. and. Uh, Taken up the the engineering design realm. Um, I don't know. It was it it
0: was just something that really interested me. And you realize you're not the first architect to do it. Like a lot of us abandoned architecture. I think architecture degree is like the basics from where you can branch out to different
1: industries too. Definitely, it created a really good foundation that I needed. And especially with BIM as well, you see a lot of architects that have become BIM managers or BIM specialists, things like that. So it's definitely not unheard of.
0: You said you started with AutoCAD, from PDF to AutoCAD. A lot of us started from AutoCAD. What specially pulled you into BIM? Because my journey was very accidental, and we'll talk about this uh, some other day. But how did you get into BIM? You could have been an MEP designer too.
1: The company I was working for at the time was awarded a project and the client had requested it to be done in Revit. And so basically they're like, okay, we need volunteers. I was like, well, you know, again, I'm up for a challenge. Why not? So I went and sat in, I think it was four day training program for Revit. It was myself and one other person. I was doing the HVAC, she was doing the plumbing or it could have been vice versa. Uh, And we basically struggled significantly through our first project and that went well. And the client ended up giving us a couple more. And it just kind of went from there, we realized when we started our second and third project that you know we kind of need a standard, we need something to start from similar to what we had for autocad. Um, So then that's where I was like Okay, you know what I want to take a run at creating the company's template and we're using the same families and content again like why don't we create a library for that. And it kind of just ran from there. I, I realized that I really liked that part of it. And for a long time, I did both. I did the design and the BIM. And it was difficult and time-consuming to do both at some point. And it just got to the point where I was like, you know what? I need to choose. And I really liked BIM. I liked the creative part of it. Um, and then I never really looked back.
0: Oh, that's great. That is, that is amazing. I'm coming back to our um, topic of the day, which is, how can we empower our MEP consultants to be a better part of BIM adoption process? Because, uh, I mean, talk to architects, talk, talk to uh, contractors. They have a lot of things to say that, especially about MEP. And, and I always feel that there is a lot more that we can do to, to bring them into the process better. But I want to hear it from you.
1: There's a lot of things that MEP can do, like there's a lot of challenges in the adoption of it. Um, content I find is a big one. If you don't have enough content or you have content that doesn't really work well together, that could be a drawback. So I use uh, a VV box as an example. You can place that VV box in the model and that's it. If you stop there, there's always a pushback from the managers. Like. You know, you could have done that in AutoCAD and it would have been quicker, like, why do we have to do this in this new program? Whereas, you know, if you take that and you add to it and you um, have families that complement each other, you know, you can have that same VV box and it can automatically change size based on the airflow that you associate with it. Um, that air terminal that's downstream, you can have that link to a schedule, which is further linked to low calculations, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I'm not saying that you need that level of functionality to fully adopt BIM, um, but having a goal to get to that level would definitely help.
0: Okay, so do you think when an MEP consultant moves, switch from a CAD environment to a BIM environment, there are certainly like big chunk of challenges that they have to face. And they are very unique to MEP, like something that architecture structure would not know. Would you like to highlight some of those challenges and how? what would your suggestion be to overcome those challenges?
1: So some of the challenges I find is there's traditionally the modeler, and then there's the engineer the designer and there's a bit of disconnect between the two of them the engineering will do like the calculations and like all of that data and information is completely separate from say a Revit model and then you've got the modelers who take markups and not really understand uh like what they're putting into the model so there's a lot of functionality and like loss of information there uh what we're trying to do is bring our engineers into Revit, so that we get that functionality and, you know, teaching the designers say a little bit more about the engineering side, and the engineers a little bit more about the BIM side, so that they work a bit more cohesively in the model.
0: Okay. Do you also mean that MEP designers need to be trained differently in BIM adoption or like one course of BIM where everybody's together? of makes sense
1: I wouldn't say everybody together because their roles are different their knowledge and understanding in BIM and in design are also very differently so I'm not suggesting that um, each individual person has their own custom training but you do need to recognize that there are different levels there's different background levels there's different interest really Uh, So you do have to adopt it maybe based on the role but also based on their previous experience um, to then ultimately get everybody to like the same level standards-wise and um, ideally process-wise as well.
0: Okay if there is somebody who has an engineering background and they're used to do all the calculation engineering design stuff and they want to move to BIM modeling part of it what would you suggest them to, like, the path that you would suggest them to take?
1: Some of the engineers that I've worked with are really afraid of going into the model. They're really afraid of breaking something. And I think that's kind of almost step one. You just need to get over that fear that, you know, nothing is going to happen to the model. But once they're in there, it would just be the same thing as teaching it a model or how to, like, lay ductwork and place air terminals or light fixtures. You see the element, you know what data needs to go into it. Ideally, like something that we're working towards, having schedules linked with the families so that when you're bringing in that data, you can look at either the schedule or the family, they're all linked. Um, So engineers are typically more used to, I guess, looking at the schedules, for example. So if they can insert the data into a schedule that is gonna automatically be pushed to um, see the light fixture or air terminal. Uh, whereas the designer or the modeler might be a little bit more used to seeing the air terminal, but because everything's linked, both are able to insert and manipulate and change any of the data. It's just they're both able to do it in different ways within the same model.
0: Okay, I get it. I get it. If I would say that somebody is coming out of an MEP background and they have to manage the project, which is like, let's say, a design build project, Do you think would they be a better BIM manager or do you think somebody who's coming out of an architecture background or it doesn't matter? I don't think it would matter,
1: provided like everyone needs to have a little bit of experience with Revit in general. Obviously, if you're dealing with MEP, having an understanding of how some of the MEP functions work would definitely be beneficial. Like for myself, like I know that there's parts within BIM that I don't understand or I might not be as comfortable with. But if I have a team and I trust that team and that team combined has all of the the knowledge uh, and the capabilities that you would need to have that final product, the design um, completed, then I think that works as well.
0: I have seen a lot of professionals now, especially Fresh graduates they would take up um, a couple of years let's say working at a firm and then maybe take a BIM specialization program do you think these programs are structured to help these young professionals understand that now they don't have to think in the in the silo of their own discipline but as a whole because a lot of BIM management is actually trying to understand what the other discipline is trying to achieve. Do you think these programs are really um, designed to do that? Yes and no. I think the intention
1: is there. And I've seen some of the BIM management programs that some of the colleges around here have, and they're really good programs. But where I find they lack a little bit is the MEP training. So they're very architectural based, which is great. It does provide a very good foundation, but they don't go into nearly enough detail with the MEP side. So you're losing that whole side of the business and not understanding how that works. Um, They do go through um, some of the programs that I'm a little bit more familiar with, with clash detection, which is good because that's a key part of the building process, but you still need to understand how those disciplines work, and those programs, from what I've seen, uh, I'm not speaking about all of them, don't have enough of a background uh, or enough training on the MEP side to really give a full picture on the BIM side.
0: Okay, so this was more like academic part of it. Let's come to more practical part of it. At what stage do you think an MEP consultant should be absolutely involved. I mean, I know like we have a BIM execution plan and we get all you know, everybody, we have a BIM kickoff meetings and all of that. But it's not really till the project is 40-45% complete in terms of architecture and structure, the MEP really kicks in. Do you think that's the right approach? Do
1: you mean like modeling side of things or design side of things?
0: Both, both the design and the modeling because I just don't feel like in today's world, if we are working on something and we're doing a BIM process, it is exclusive. A designer needs to know what BIM can achieve and a a modeler needs to understand the intent of designer. And I don't think it's different for any discipline, whether it's architecture or structural or mechanical. I feel MEP kicks in really late, but yeah, I'm not the person to comment on it.
1: No, I agree with you. It's something that I know companies are trying to change uh, because it is hard to jump in that much later into the process. But at the same time, it's not that they're just sitting idle. There is a lot of background, uh, like the calculations and this and that, that needs to be done before we can actually get to the modeling part. Uh, We are trying to utilize the model for more of the calculation side of things. So we're not quite there yet to use Revit, for example, to do the calculations, but there's a lot of data that we can take out of the model to start our calculations. Um, But a lot of times the architectural model is not quite there yet for us to do that, or the design is still in flux. So it's just not practical to do those. I do know that at least, with my team, we are trying to be able to get into that process as soon as possible, so that we're not playing catch-up. But uh, from what I've seen, almost industry-wide, it, it is a little bit of a lag um, in starting the process when it comes to MEP.
0: Right, right. No, I I've had I've worked on some of those projects where I've coordinated between ASMEP, and it's it's like. Um, MEP should have been in the room at this meeting (laughs) because we need to listen from them. Yeah, I think we are going there. There is one more thing that really has intrigued me, which is the LOD part of modeling. It's a hot topic. There are people who totally favor it. And then there are people who say like, we don't need it. So what side of scale would you say, especially for MEP? Do we first of all need an LOD matrix to tell us what to design? And then to what extent should we design? Because there is always, and this is what I've heard from contractors, uh, that MEP designers model so much that we can't build it and we have to do it again. And that is a lot of waste of time and energy and, and all of that. So I really want to hear it from you. Personally,
1: I think an LOD matrix is definitely needed. I've seen proposals and BIM execution plans and it's just like, yep, LOD 300. It's like, okay, well, what goes into that LOD 300? Cause I don't believe that when you say LOD 300 is needed that every single element uh, that's listed in that matrix has to be at a 300. There could be things that are a little bit less, For example, a lot of times um, pipes under a certain size or conduit under a certain size, we don't model that because even if it's clashing, it's not one of those that are really going to affect the way that it's installed. I'm sure contractors right now are cringing, but so that would be one area that, you know, we don't need it to be LOD 300. Whereas with major equipment, panels, the things that are really critical or the things that, you know, physically, tend to be larger like boilers, chillers and things like that. I'm not opposed to having that at a little bit higher LOD just because they're so critical to the the design. So, yes, we need an LOD matrix, but does everything have to be of a certain number? No, I think that's the whole point of the LOD matrix is to kind of outline all the expectations of what you're going to be modeling before you get to the modeling stages so that everyone is on the same page and there's no surprises when you're issuing um, for construction or permit or anything like that
0: okay okay we want to move on to our impossible questionnaire the first question that i have for you is what is the melting point of aluminum
1: that is a really good question
0: water boils at 100 degrees celsius
1: yeah i feel like aluminum would be like a hundred times more than that no maybe not that high like Uh, We'll knock off a zero, so say a thousand.
0: A thousand degrees Celsius? Sure. Okay. You're quite close. I would say it's 658 degrees Celsius. Okay. Okay. This is an MEP question. Maybe you can answer this. Uh, Which pipe fitting may not be used in a vertical drainage system? A cross fitting? A Y fitting? A double Y fitting? A double waist fitting?
1: The tier the cross?
0: I think it's yes. the double
1: Y one because I'm picturing it in my head, but I'm trying to think of the name. But
0: oh, you already you already answered the question. It's the double cross. Okay. Yay. Okay. Okay. You were able to answer one question. That's amazing. Thanks. <laughs> okay. This is the last part of podcast, and I really want to hear it from you. What do you think is a rose, a bud, and a thorn of including an MEP consultant in a BIM process?
1: The rose would be, so being an advantage, like the possibilities are endless. Like there's no real limit to how you can integrate like a BIM consultant into any part of the process. Mm
0: -hmm. What is... An MEP designer, a BIM empowered MEP designer, bringing to a table that a CAD MEP designer won't
1: functionality, consistency, accuracy.
0: But those are your roses for today. Oh yeah, definitely. And what would be your bud, which is a hope for future that we reach here when we are in our BIM adoption process
1: probably building off of the things that I had just listed, but just making everything a little bit more efficient. When Revit first came about for me, it was very manual and then we eventually made it a little bit more automated. And now we've integrated things like Dynamo scripts to do a lot of the different um, like adding data to the model, that sort of thing. So I feel like that is just going to continue to evolve. And we may not know what that process is right now, Um, But there's definitely the possibility of going even further beyond where we are right now.
0: Okay. And what would be your thorn for including MEP consultants, MEP designers into the BIM adoption process?
1: One challenge that I've seen is getting people to want to get into BIM. And I used to be one of these people. The CAD people that are very stuck in their ways, they're just like, I am very efficient at doing this. And a large challenge that I've had is trying to get people to see that there is a different side of designing something and that it is BIM. And there's so much more than just, you know, manually putting things in that don't connect to one another and, you know, having to insert data in two or three different locations. So it's been a challenge for me to get people to kind of see that and to understand that and to want to move into BIM from using CAD as an example, moving from CAD into BIM.
0: Okay, okay. My bud for MEP designing into BIM would be more on like how, you know, how today temperatures, we there, there are smart thermostats and smart lighting systems and smart um, systems that can really, you know, sense people and adjust according to it. I mean, when my MEP design can be efficient enough to that smart designing that my basement is not five degrees colder than my top floor, (laughs) I would be elated.
1: Pretty sure a lot of people would, yeah. I know I would be. The room I'm in now is uh, either really cold in winter or really warm in the summer. And it's the opposite for every room in the house. So.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. So a point of time where the HVAC system, like the people who are manufacturing it, they smarten up or design smartens up. Something has to happen here. And I I really believe technology is, is is a key to that. That's my but when BIM can enable that, when my calculations and design can really regulate what part of Building can be made thermally and electrically comfortable for every resident. That would be my pie in the sky for MEP. And I always say that architects and structural designers, they erect the structures, but what makes these structures habitable is the MEP designers. Without them, building is not really habitable. I agree. I think the sayings function over form. Just imagine we have a building and we don't have an HVAC system in there, a plumbing system in there, an electrical system in there. Like who wants to live in that? Even if it's one of the most beautiful buildings designed. So oh. Oh, thank you for you, what you guys do for like, I know it's very underappreciated field, but uh, it does a lot for us being able to live and breathe in the spaces that we have.
1: It does, yeah. Especially when you can't really see anything that we do because they're all hidden behind walls and, and ceiling spaces. But yeah, it's definitely a fun and interesting industry.
0: Yes, it is. And what would we do without you guys? <laughs> yes, okay, thank you so much. I've had so much fun in this. I've learned about a lot of new things. And hopefully we have another episode discussing more BIM things and discussing more stuff around BIM. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me. It was uh, a lot of fun.